tips it out again. And the Knicks will reset down by two. Mike Whitson not calling timeout. And I like that move. In the hands of Anthony. Anthony for three. Puts it in. Next by one with 8.2 remaining. And again, you've got a 6'9 guy on you. He's a couple of feet again beyond the arc. Boy, both teams hitting such big shots. Good morning, Knicks fans. Welcome to the show. This is the Knickish Podcast, episode number 14. My name is Mo. I'm here with Nafi. And apologies for de- for the delay, but it's an 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and we're here recording for our show. What's up, Nafi? Half asleep with crust in my eye, bro. But, yeah, uh, I don't, I, honestly, do I don't even do. know. If we, my bad, yo. Honestly, I don't even know if what I said made sense, but we're just going to keep it going. What's going on? Not much. Sun is out. It's a bright Saturday morning, chilly in New York. So, yeah, I mean, we're here now. We are uh, living in the aftermath of the Porzingis trade. And, um, yeah, the tank race getting getting crazy. We uh, we did our part. We as in the Knicks. I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware. Franchise record 17-game losing streak. So, yeah, I mean, Zion is in our sights. 14% chance, but in our sights nonetheless, right? That's right. And the Knicks have the second-worst record in the NBA, so we're right on track. Uh, it's the all-star break, so the second half of the season is next week. Last night, Kevin Knox was uh, featuring was featured in the Rising Stars Challenge uh, representing the Knicks, and tonight we got Dennis Smith Jr. representing the Knicks in the slam dunk contest, so um, I'm real fucking excited for that. Yes, sir. Let's hope you don't get robbed this year because uh... – Last year, I felt like the fix was in, and uh, Donovan Mitchell was crowned before the whole thing even started. But that's uh, that's, that's just me with my conspiracy theory hat on. You know what I mean? But our young boy is going to get it. It's it's fierce competition. And um, we should point out that uh, one of the contestants, um, Hamadou Diallo, not a, not a lot of our listeners know, he's also a Queens native. So, um, yeah, if, uh, if our boy Dennis somehow gets robbed again, I wouldn't mind seeing that boy win. You know yeah, I mean? he uh, from he's from Queens. He's from the Thunder. He went to what high school did he go to? He went to John Bowen. Yeah, John Bowen, and I think he transferred. He for his first two years at John Bowen, and then he transferred to uh, some prep school in like Connecticut or some shit. But uh, he he was in Kentucky for like two years, and you know he's like a a bench piece on uh, OKC. But uh, he athletic as shit, and he got crazy hops. Uh, 
think it'll be a good contest, but you know, fingers crossed. I feel like no no dunk contest is gonna live up to 2016. You know what I mean? I don't even remember any of the last three dunk contests after 2016. So shit. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, honestly, I'm not gonna lie here. I hope Dennis Smith wins, but I feel like John Collins is gonna take it. He's he's six ten. We saw last night he had some crazy dunks in the challenge in the Riding Stars challenge. Um, that's just my take. If I had to bet money on it, I would bet John Collins. But uh, my my Knicks fanhood and my Dennis Smith Jr. fanhood uh, is hoping that Dennis takes it. Your 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 bandwagon Dennis Smith fanhood. You're gonna have to discuss that <laughs> later on. Look, man. Anyone who says erroneous, <laughs> anyone erroneous who says takes. New York, anyone who says New York or nothing is 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 uh is a great guy to me. Hey, I Yo, I, I like Dennis Smith Jr. Beanie was so fire. I've liked Dennis. Uh-huh. I've always liked. Him. We got we we got we got it on record. You can't you can't do that no more. <laughs> we go back to the last episode. I'm not tying on him. I, I heard that. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, shit, so 17-game losing streak. We won over Atlanta. Um, so you've been, you've been watching the games, right? You got any uh, just a throwaway thoughts on uh, just the young kids, not just Dennis, but, like, any other any thoughts you got uh, going on that you've seen so far of the games we played lately? Well, I'd be remiss if I don't mention big money Mitch, Mitchell Robinson, killing it mm-hmm. in the month of February. Mm-hmm. And it's wild when you look at the numbers. I – He's he's in the top five in blocks per game. He's averaging close to 17 or 18 minutes a game, and that's half of pretty much everybody else that's in the top five. But he's he's yeah. he's up there, and he's uh and he's scoring so efficiently. Granted, a lot of his points are made off of off of alley oops, but it doesn't matter. He's still you know one of the league leaders in effective field goal percentages, and he's getting he's getting better and better every game. Uh, it looks yes, like sir. every game he's getting at least two or so blocks, and he's getting blocks in in multiple different ways. He get in the perimeter, he get it, you know, in the restricted area. He get off guards, he get off bigs. Like it doesn't matter at this point. He's he's growing, you know, right before our eyes. And mind you, this guy didn't play at all last year, professionally. Exactly. It's this wild. kid is like his shot blocking, especially on the perimeter, is fucking rare, bro. Like in the Pistons games, maybe like a week ago, there was a play where he blocked Reggie Jackson. Detroit somehow got the same ball back on that same possession, and they like whipped it out to Luke Kennard, and then Mitch just ran out there and blocked his jumper too. Like, yeah. and he kept the play in bounds, and we got a fast break on the other end. Like, kid is special, and I saw um. Yo, basically, since we got DeAndre, like, Mitch has been playing better, and I feel like that, like, mentor relationship has been a big part of that, you know what I mean? For sure. I saw, like, a New York Post article saying how, like, Mitch has basically, like, been a sponge, just been following DeAndre around, you know what I mean? And just, like, just following his habits, how he prepares and shit, and DeAndre, like, like credit to him, he's not, he's he's a, the opposite of, like, a that piece of shit that we just let go, and Dennis Canner, whatever the fuck his name is, he's, like, embracing that mentor role, you know what I mean? Like, he's, yeah. he's talking about how, like, when he came into the league, he had mentors, and he would be, like, it would be a disservice if he didn't pass on his knowledge since he's a vet now, you know what I mean? And I fucking love to hear that. So, yeah, and, and, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, DeAndre is pretty much, like, we've been saying for a minute before we even had him on the team, before we could even, like, think to the possibility that he would ever be a Nick. He like he was a comparison, right? So it's just such a like a perfect kind of situation for Mitch to grow into. And since he got since we got DeAndre, like he's been fouling a lot less and he's been his like the numbers speak for itself. He's playing a lot better lately. And 
free throw shooting is still a work in progress, but I think so. Like incrementally, it'll get there. You know, like it's it's gotten better since DeAndre's come in. You know, and DeAndre himself has improved his free throw shooting. I mean, it's still bad, but it's not as bad as it used to be. You know what I mean? But what was you gonna say? Yeah, no, I was. You call you call Mitchell Robinson's uh, block on Luka Doncic and James Harden on their step step back threes. He's yeah, the one he did on Harden in that Rockets game. Like, he did it twice in one game, yeah. and just like, yo, just fucking inject that into my veins, bro. Like, that shit was like, I'll never in my life do heroin, but I feel like that's what it would, that's what it would feel like. <laughs> but, yo, just if you just look at the numbers, his, his free throw shooting isn't even that bad. He doesn't take many, uh, but he is, he's, he is getting progressively more, he's getting, like, more and more aggressive a game. Uh, uh, he used to get, like, maybe one foul a game, and he'll shoot two free throws, but lately he's had seven free throws in one game, and, like, you know, seven in another game and he'll shoot four for seven or five or seven it's not that bad at all um and he's he's getting double doubles now he scored 14 and 13 against the Sixers the other day he had four blocks but it's really mm-hmm. his defensive presence that's that is re- uh you know really important for for a Knicks team uh who always struggles on defense I think they're five points better defensive rating wise when he's on the court and I, yes, sir. I think that's that's ranked that could be ranked as ninth best in the league when he's on the court, that's that's important. He's only twenty years old right now. Exactly, and I think that just goes into a conversation about he might just be like like this is not throwing shade at Knox or Frank or Dennis anything like that, but he might just be like our most interesting and just more hot, most high upside like um, prospect on the roster. Just because like I mean, you had mentioned how like he's not really his offensive game right now is just pick and roll and alley oops and right, but like. I like how the Knicks are developing him in that regard. They're working on his strengths, you know, rim, being a rim runner, being a defensive anchor, and getting uh, offensive rebounds, you know what I mean? So, like, if he he's, uh, he's well on his way to mastering those skills at the tender age of 20, going on 21. So after that, once he develops those skills, he's, like, if he becomes elite in all those regards, regards he's basically Clint Capella, you know what I mean? And Clint Capella was, like, the like a crucial piece of a, of a team that was one game away from the finals last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I would I don't know if I would say he has the highest upside. I think that would still go to Kevin Knox right now, uh, who is a scorer right now. And at the end of the day, you, you got to be able to score points to be, you know, effective in this league. Not not that I'm saying defense is not. Uh, he could be like Clint Capella, who is essential to a title contending team. But Kevin Knox, once he figures out how to play defense better, I feel like he has a higher upside, and I I I would I, I would word it differently. I I would say that he has a higher upside by the end of the this season, maybe next season, because I feel like he's gonna be he's gonna have a faster rate at getting to at reaching his potential. But I think I, I would say that uh, Knox and Dennis Smith have higher ceilings that they can reach over Mitchell Robinson. I think I think no knock on Mitchell Robinson. I think he I just think he'll get to his potential or ceiling faster than they will. That's the way I see it. Right, but that's like going on to my thing is just like you you watch some clips of him in high school. He was skilled. Like he could shoot jumpers and shit. So it's like once he masters like the areas that are like a, an elite big man that needs to master in the modern NBA, he could actually add shit like a jumper. You know what I mean? Like a stretch five that like protects the rim. Oh, yeah. Once he does that. Like injury prone. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, not to throw shade on a, on a certain uh, snake. I mean, unicorn that we used to have. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just feel like in the modern NBA, if you got a big man like that that could like be your anchor on defense, while also not being a liability on offense, like that's and he doesn't really need the ball to be effective. You know what I mean? So if we're thinking big in terms of like getting a big time free agent this this 
or a couple of free agent or two this summer, like having a piece that could just fit in and like not be like need the ball, not need plays ran for him, but it can also just be like uh, that missing puzzle piece that can make everybody around him better just in terms of defense. You know what I mean? And also just putting pressure on the rim, like. Like what I want, what I always think about with these kind of big men players, like the ones that like rely on like pick and roll. Like to the casual fan, it's like, oh, they're unskilled. Why aren't they posting up? But pick and roll is the most efficient way for a big man to score. Like this, you look at the numbers, points per, per possession, and all that. Like that's that's the thing with Dwight Howard years ago. He wanted to post up, even though like Stan Van Gundy was like, nah, you're like we're we're better when you we put you in the pick and roll. You know what I mean? And I I remember when we had Tyson Chandler, Eric Spolster on Miami was just like. Tyson's so dangerous because like you 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 know you like you've got spacing in terms of like shooters spreading out the court right yeah Spolster's point was like Chandler he puts vertical spacing on the court you know what I mean it's like defenders all, like all five defenders got to be aware that like this big man anytime he's running towards the rim he's gonna get easy buckets on an alley oop or a putback or just like a regular dunk you know what I mean so it's like that aspect I feel like Mitch he'll be integral to both offense and defense if he lives up to that potential and. From what we've seen so far, this progression in terms of like going from not playing at all last year to like what we're seeing right now, it's like he'll, he'll get there. You know what I mean? Knock on wood, and if he stays on the right track, but I think we've been developing him pretty well. You know? Yeah, so, for sure. I don't know. That's just my argument for why I think he. Like, it's not clear cut. Obviously, I'm, I'm obviously high on Knox. You know what I mean? And I love Dennis, but it's like, damn, like we're it's it's coming more to fruition with Mitch than, than Knox. You know what I mean? And like Knox obviously is like the second youngest rookie, but I don't know, man, Mitch has been looking very special like out there. Yeah. And one of the, not uh, one of the, uh, you know, no pun intended knocks on Mitchell Robinson was that he wasn't able to rebound ah. too effectively. <laughs> he wasn't able to rebound that. too effectively, but he's really picked it up the last five, six games. Um, prior to, uh, prior to February, he only got more than f- five rebounds twice all season granted he didn't play too many minutes but the last five six games he's gotten more than five rebounds every game uh 10 and 13 was one of them and then eight in another game um so once he really figures out or figures out the right moments to jump up for the rebound he'll be better than Tyson Chandler uh was when he was at the Knicks possibly um but, I mean, know. Tyson was a beast, bro. Like, yeah, that's no another doubt. thing. That's like a that's a rant for another day. But like, when we had him, there were a whole bunch of Knicks fans that did not appreciate how good he was. Tyson, you know what I mean? The tip back like, for rebounds, those <laughs> that was some wild shit. Being a legit defensive anchor, we he he was a Knicks player that won Defensive Player of the Year, bro. Yeah, and like we're a fan base that supposedly is smart and appreciates defense, but like the way we hear some fans talk about like Cantor and Frank, just like makes me think that like our fan base has gotten a lot dumber in the last ten years. But that's neither here nor there. But just going back to focus, focusing on Mitch, like he should have been in that that Rising Stars game last night. Not over Knox, you know what I mean? But like just he should have been there because I would have loved to see him get some alley oops from like fucking Trey Young. You know what I mean? Yeah, Would've he'll be dope. there next season. He'll be there next season. I if he if he Almost keeps dead. going at the rate that he's at right now, he'll be. I I would say he'd be at the uh, all rookie second team. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But hey, since we're on the topic of young players, we got, I got to call you, bro, Mister Mister. I'm not I'm not high on 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 Dennis Smith, <laughs> Mister. It's a uh, our listeners go back and listen to the last episode. You heard that right? I'm not imagining. You know, our listeners can uh can you know, provide the alibi and evidence? Like, uh, so, uh, what's the beef, man? What's what's the issue with Dennis? What's going on? There's, there's no issue with Dennis. I think, I think I was saying it 
in the in the speculation of a trade with Frank Nilakina. That's that's when I said it. All right, let me read a stat to you. I sent this over to you, but um, this is against Detroit. His night against Detroit, he had 31 points, eight assists, two steals, 11 free throws made, 60% field goal percentage. And the only other players in NBA history, NBA history, you know what I mean? This goes back to Bill Russell days. The only players to post those numbers in a game at the age of 21 or younger are LeBron, Magic, and Michael. I mean, bro, <laughs> this yeah. is our point guard, man. Is no, he, I'm he's, not. He's, he's got special characteristics. Absolutely, and, and like... the new again, the New York or nothing thing is 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 very important to me. I I like his grit and grind. I like how he got in Ben Simmons' face. I like how he's scoring. I, I'm all about. I, I'm I'm all for Dennis Smith Jr. right now. It's just my yeah, no, my God, one just, thing. Just, my like, one thing. <laughs> no, no, no. My 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 one thing. This season is all about next season. In reality, that's the purpose of this season. It's all tanked to get better for next season, free agency and and the draft. Those are the two key components for our shitty two thousand seven two thousand nineteen season. Sorry. Um, what's gonna happen to Dennis Smith Jr. when we're trying to get Kyrie Irving? Or, I mean, Kem- or maybe Kemba Walker. Episode. What's that? I'll take. I, I, I mean, that goes back to what I was saying in the last episode. It's like, like you could bench. go after Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. Because like he could still get twenty-eight to thirty minutes off the bench as a sixth man. You know what I mean? Says similar to how Rozier does it. And I think with Dennis, he wouldn't even mind that. Just because like, just going back to the last episode, not to like repeat myself. I think the biggest thing was just like he was told he was sold a bill of goods by Dallas. Like, oh, you're our franchise guy. We're gonna put the ball in your hands. And obviously, Luca came in and he's better. You know, like it's no knock on Luca, but. I think he'll be a lot more easy to defer to a veteran superstar all-star, you know what I mean, than rather than like a 19-year-old kid right, from overseas, right. you know? But, yeah, I mean, that's a fair, like, critique, but I don't think we got to worry about Kemba, you know what I mean? I think we're so focused on the big fish that, like, from everything I've seen from Scott Perry so far, I don't think he's in that mode where if we don't get a superstar, we're going to go uh, splurge on somebody else that's not a superstar. You know what I mean? I think they would just like, – God kinda... forbid. That's that's my biggest worry. That's like the fucking yeah. elephant in the room here. Are they, yeah, no Is doubt, that no something doubt. that they would do? Fucking give Jimmy no Butler doubt. and Tobias Harris to Max Conner or, or Vuce or I would even mind Jimmy in the context if we get KD. You know what I mean? But if it's KD like, plus out, anybody, like we... honestly. I don't exactly, care who. Exactly, exactly. But if we miss out on KD and like we miss out on Kyrie – like, I don't think Scott Perry's the kind of guy that would be like, all right, now we got to go, like, give Tobias and Boogie Cousins. Knock like, on every wood here. Yeah. yeah, unless it comes straight from Dolan. He's like, yo, do this or you're fired. Like, I don't think we got to worry about it. Because, like, from everything I've seen from Perry, he's, like, a pragmatic thinker. And the moves he's made incrementally over the since he t- took over <laughs> summer 2017 have shown me he's he's not, like, a, a rash decision maker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, there's a lot of info that came out about the Porzingis thing. Like, they've... That meeting with his brother and the Knicks brass was apparently, like, planned for months, and they had delayed it, you know what I mean? And within that time frame, like, we know now that, like, the Knicks, like, front office, Mills and Perry were not, like, high on giving KP, like, the max. And I think Ramona Shelbourne of ESPN came out and said they were, if they were to give him the max, they wanted to have it similar to MB's contract with Philly, where they had a lot of injury protections and insurance, you know what I mean? And KP's brother was just like, nah, we're not, nah, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So it was like bad blood on both sides. And when KP came in and was just like, yo, we're going to, I want to trade, I want to get out of here. 
at that point, Perry and Mills were already like sold on the idea that, all right, we don't really want to give this guy the max. We've already been exploring deals because like talks with Dallas apparently were going on for weeks before the trade actually came out. You know what I mean? And they uh, had asked around, like Mark Stein in the New York Times. It's not like a bullshit report. He literally put it on record that the Knicks reached out to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. They reached out to Sacramento for both Bagley and Fox in a KP trade, and they were both turned down. And there was obviously like they tried to put KP in an AD trade. That didn't work out. So, I mean, they had contingency plans. And to me right there shows me they're thinking, you know what I mean? If they were to strike out on KD or Kyrie, they got like plans B, C, D, and E lined up. So, I mean, knock on wood, obviously, there's, we've got the Knicks history, but I'm, I'm like pretty confident Scott Perry, bro. But but no, no, like back, back to Desmond yeah. Jr., I am embracing him. I I think he has a high upside, a very high upside as a, as a player. I like that he's shooting. I, I was kind of worried about his three-point shot, but it looks like it's not so bad. Um, he's it's just scoring. more so the free throw shooting, you know what I mean? Like he's got to fix that. You know, there's yeah. like a hitch in the shot. You see when he's on the line, it's just like weird. Like it's like he almost lags when he's like about to let go. Yeah. Of the shot, it's weird. But he seems like a very New York Knicks type player right now. I I love the alleys. Oh. He just he just he's oh, just such yeah. an exciting player to watch, and I I think he I hope that he's a player who grows within the organization. And he's only you know he's only 21, so. Yeah, I mean, I, and like we yeah. know Mills is high on him. You know, like we've heard reports, like we we touched on it last episode, but there were reports that the front office split. It seems obvious now Mills is the guy that wanted Dennis, and Phil was just like, now nah, I want Frank. But now yeah. we got both, so it really matter. I'm excited to see how they play together. I feel like they both know that they were always linked uh, since last year, so I yeah. feel like I feel like once once Frank is back, I think they're intentionally going to put them together, and then I feel like both players are going to want to help each other grow. That's the way I see it. Um, exactly. I, don't, I don't think there's Dennis any bad blood. I think, too. yeah, I just think they're going to, I think Dennis is going to keep on passing to Frank for the open three, and Frank is always going to try to find Dennis for, you know, whatever else but um i i feel like there's gonna be good chemistry between those two players once once frank no is back do we know when frank is coming back i think uh Fizdale said maybe like a week ago he's like he'll either come back right before all-star break or right after so it's okay. like that timeline lines up he'll be back next week so i'm hyped for that but uh, the question comes in is it's like moody you know what i mean we saw how Fizdale like moody was his boy you know what i mean and that's not gonna be the case no more i feel like it'd just be a it'll be an, an injustice to Dennis and Frank if they were to give Moody a major minutes because he's the only one of those three that isn't on a contract from next year. You know what I mean? You know, like the minutes they've been playing Dennis since we got him is like, all right, they see him as like their future franchise point guard. You know what I mean? And with Frank coming in, he'll obviously get minutes like backing up Dennis and also playing with Dennis on the wing. So I think Moody is just going to have to, like I hope, you know, there's, there's two – trains of thought right here what we hope will happen what we think will happen i hope that moody just gets maybe like 15 20 minutes a game as a backup you know what i mean maybe play with both either frank and dennis but i also think just fizzle got such a loyalty to this kid that he might just play in more minutes than he should but that's that's just me worrying right now what do you think how do yeah. you think moody is gonna be fitting into the fold uh, i'm kind of worried it's gonna be kind of like a trey burke situation where one night any any given night one player is just gonna get a lot of minutes versus the other two players um, that's that's the way I see it. I hope that's not the case because it, it didn't make sense to do it with Trey Burke. It'll make less sense to do it with Dennis Smith and and uh, Frank. But uh, I I feel like at this point, since they know that Moody is gonna be a free agent and there's no really much use in signing him in, in this summer, uh, for 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 a resign, I feel like 
fizz out my ideological thing and not give him as many minutes as he was prior because there was still the possibility of him being traded at the trade deadline and they would get high value. Which, by the way, I'm pretty disappointed about that they weren't able to trade him or Vonley, um for at least like a second rounder or something like that. Uh, I was kind of yeah, I was kind of surprised I mean, they couldn't they couldn't pull that of, off. Yeah, I think Moody might have been gone if like he wasn't injured. You know what I mean? Like I don't think teams wanted to trade for an injured free agent point guard. You know what I mean? But like Vonley, I think. I think this also goes to like what uh, Scott Perry's talk about when he first came in to the, the 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 building and like to the franchise. He was like, "We gotta like rebuild the reputation of the Knicks, right?" So here's a kid that like busts his ass, got great playing time finally in New York, like improved, shows he's a lot better. So I think maybe to them they were thinking like, I- "I'm not." This is just all speculation. Like there's there's obviously talks that like teams that are like offering for Vonley, you know what I mean, uh, putting interest out there for him. But I also think it's just like it's a good thing to keep a guy like that on the roster just because it shows like, hey, uh, we invested in him over the summer. We gave him time. We helped him and like we believed in him. And he's like going to ride out the season for us and probably earn a big payday from somewhere else for somebody else's summer. You know what I mean? So I think that's a good look on us, you know, and it's similar to how like when we got Wes, we played him for two games and we bought him out so he could go to a team of his choice, you know, like. Like to us as fans, and mostly, and obviously the casual fans as well, those are factors that isn't like aren't really considered. But it's also it's part of like relationship building, and like in the real world, you know, there's networking and shit, right? You do favors for people, so like one day they can do a favor for you down the road. In terms of like doing these buyouts for like a player like West or like keeping Vonley in a, in a situation where he's happy, I think like it's a good look around the league, and like these agents, they all talk. You know what I mean? They talk to players, they talk to like other front offices. It's, I think it's all part of like an incremental process to just make the franchise look better. So I'm not too mad that like we kept Bonley. Um, I would uh, we would have definitely loved an asset. Like if there was a team out there willing to pony up like a late first round pick for him, that would have been ideal. But not too mad that we kept him. You know? Yeah. No, that's an interesting take um, on the networking. <coughs> Bro, interesting thing though. Since yeah. February first, our defense has been like almost top ten. And I think that definitely correlates to the fact that we got Tim, Burke, and Cantor out of there. <laughs> and, like, now we got a rotation of guys that all at least try on defense if they're not quote-unquote good yet, you know? So it's it's interesting. And going back to Moutier, his fit in the rotation, we also forgot Kadeem Allen, who's been pretty, oh, yeah. playing pretty well. You know what I mean? Like, For I sure. like how he gives up. I like how he's, like, a, a – like, he plays – he's a he, – to me, he's showing he's, like, a solid backup option off the bench, you know? And I think I don't want to take his minutes away for a free agent to be because I moved. Like, I think with Kadeem Allen, we got him on a two-way contract, so we got control of him through the summer. You know what I mean? So I'd rather hit them, keep him in the rotation and not, like, give Moody too much. But we'll see what Fizzo does. Yeah. And, like, the the losing streak that the Knicks have had and all these games that they're losing, they're not losing by too much. It's not, it's not like they're being blown out every game. There are multiple games where they lost – within 10 points and that's not bad at all for a tanking team so it, it works yeah. out in our favor it means coaching it could get better um but it, it's nice to see all these all these young guys uh there's Jenkins too and Luke Cornett all these guys that are coming out of the G League they're coming in and they're they're, they're coming in swinging uh Kadeem Allen especially yeah. he's, he scored 25 the other night against Cleveland um and he's scoring yes, multiple points he's getting assists and he looks like a bull yeah, and Jenkins had, like, a solid 14 points in that win over Atlanta. Like, he looks like a pure shooter. Like, yeah. that goes to what we talked about in the last episode. Like, our, our G League program is kind of being slept on in terms of, like, finding these guys that are, 
uh, just develop it down there and just come in and like not obviously don't become all stars, but become like they show like quantifiable skills that could contribute to a team. You know, like I feel like Kadeem Allen, his defense, he's so fucking feisty. He's definitely like a more athletic Ron Baker. I'm going back to that cross cross, cross racial comparison, but like I think that's what I see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and Jenkins, his jumper is wet, bro. Like yeah. it's, I like it. I like how he shoots. His form is pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the blueprint. At the end of the day, the Knicks are developing all their players. And I, I got to give Brooklyn Nets uh, as an example because that's what they did all these years. They were drafting correctly, and they were mm. developing their players correctly, and now now they're a, a, they're, they're a playoff team right now uh, with, exactly. with star players that you didn't know would be star players. And, you know, kudos to them for, for doing that. Yeah, and that. their coach, Kenny Atkinson, he's cut his teeth – for mad years in NBA, in the NBA as a as a player development coach, uh, similar to Fisdale, you know what I mean. So yeah. like I feel like that's a blueprint right there, and blueprint as in like play on words, as in like that, like the Nets like blueprint for that greatness is, shit like ten Jay-Z, years ago. I worry, maybe making a Jay Z reference or no? Nah, you remember oh. that billboard? These petty motherfuckers put that. That's <laughs> yo fuck the Nets. Like and you know what happened after they put that that during that summer they got Jordan Farmer and Johan Petro that summer. So fuck them. <laughs> Like, good shit that they're, like, prospering now, but, like, they're still – I still don't fuck with that franchise. But, like, it, I got to respect them nonetheless, you know? Like, so our our, our boys at Knicks Film School, I mean, uh, we we both fuck with them, right? I saw a tweet the other night. I'm looking at it right now. Um, this is when our losing streak was still active. Knicks lost 17 straight. What yeah, other I, saw, I know what you're saying. Yep. Yeah, they're like Atkinson and the Nets lost 16 straight in 2017. Brett Brown and the 76ers lost 26 straight in 2014. God damn. You know what I mean? So, like, those are the two most recent examples, and I feel like that just speaks to, like, lose. It's it, it's tough. You know what I mean? Losing is tough. But, like, it's also there's a clear – you could build a culture and develop your players amidst losing. You know what I mean? And I think just, like, the fact that Brooklyn's so fresh right now in terms of, like, on everybody's mind in terms of, like, their immediate success – it's it's a good blueprint to follow, you know. Like we're 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 in a, we're on a good stage, and I feel like I've still got confidence in Fizdale. Yeah, like strategically, he'll make like not a couple, but like a good number of like boneheaded kind of rotations and moves. But I also think it's just like a season of experimenting, you know. Like we go back to the very first episode. It's all about experimenting, see what works, and just rebuilding, right? So. I don't think we got to worry about, like, just losing, having a, an adverse effect on our future, but don't let the fucking dumbass New York media tell you tell you otherwise. Well, one big win uh, for the Knicks since our last episode was that we released Ennis Canner. Mm. How upset are you? Upset? I'm heartbroken, man. I mean, he was our tank commander. We're trying to win Zion, right? <laughs> Wanted to play that motherfucker 40 minutes a game, make sure we get Zion for real. If we kept playing him like 40 minutes, 48 minutes a game, if we were to do that, I feel like we would literally lose wins off our wins column. You know what I mean? Like we'd yeah. somehow like be decreasing from from like 11 <laughs> wins to 10 to 9 somehow. Yo, the craziest thing but, is that like I, I was on Facebook uh, on the Knicks page when they announced that they released Ennis Kander, and you got to – reading the comments on on the facebook page just it's it's so aggravating like all these it was just one comment after the other after the other it's just different knicks fans saying like wow fuck the knicks for getting rid of canner wow canner is the only guy with grind he's he's shown the most heart for the knicks since since charles oakley and it's just like all these stupid like knicks fans it's just it's ridiculous it's so to me dumb, how bro. how you can't see it like he had that one moment where he 
kind of guy in LeBron's face. Just he was looking the other way, but he was just you know he was like a like a like a few even, inches yo, away. Even from that, him. even that to me was fucking disingenuous. He did that because he knew the camera was on LeBron. He wanted to get in the fucking frame and like look like he's 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 about to say like get the fuck out of here. And he did get Giannis's face too, but he was he was just playing dumb and it's just he he yeah. wasn't a good team player and he just wasn't a good player and I don't know I don't know why Portland wants him or wanted him, but they probably got him off a cheap deal right now. Um, Definitely. Uh, I mean, yeah. what's interesting to me is, like, that he got bought out, and the only teams that were interested in, in him were uh, Boston, who had Aaron Baines injured, so they just needed a fresh, big body. Fair enough. OKC, who had already had Canner. You know what I mean? So they're like, oh, yeah, we're familiar with this headache. We'll bring him in just because, like, it's always good to have a piece on the bench that, like, we're familiar with. And Portland, who had initially signed him to that terrible contract in 2015 that OKC matched, and who OKC was dying to include in that mellow trade to get 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 off of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I want to dive a Portland, little deeper into Portland, you know, on a later podcast because I feel like they're not doing enough for Damian Lillard at this point. I know they win a lot of games during the regular season, but they never, I feel like they never do enough to get quality pieces for Damian Lillard, who is a top five point guard, um, and fair, they're just not fair. maxing out his potential. So I want I I want to look a little deeper. I feel like not enough is looked into for. For Portland, just how their front office really is. Um, yeah, they brought Tanner in there. That's basically yeah, spitting exactly. in Dame Lillard's face. <laughs> but uh, just going to your point about the fans, I feel like the dumbass media feeds into it. You see all these fucking media people, like like especially like radio folks and the newspaper folks, that are just like, oh, the Knicks are obviously trying to lose their bench Tanner. No, literally every metric and stat you can find will tell you we perform worse with Tanner on the floor. You know what I mean? A big man in the, in the 2019 NBA that can't play defense at all that's literally like hemorrhaging points on that end in the pick and roll or any other aspect of defense that can't shoot that can't space the court for the guards that can't pass you know what i mean that fucking is a black hole when he gets the ball he's either posting up or fucking missing the shot you know what i mean you you can't shoot you can't pass and you can't play defense you're useless in nba but like these casual fans see the box scores when he's getting numbers in games where we're losing like, oh, he's a great player. He'll be a great piece. No. like, And the media buys into it or, like, feeds into it and, like, propagates this idea that he's an actual, like, good player. Even though, like I said, you look at the facts, we're better off without him. I saw Brian Windhorst saying how, like, on a podcast, uh, one of his podcasts, he was saying how, like, the Knicks, because um, he was talking about the Anthony Davis situation where, like, the Pelicans didn't want to play him or whatever or something like that, whatever's going on in that controversy. They were saying how, like, how come there's attention on the Pelicans but not on the Knicks when they bench their best center? I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, you fucking overgrown gerbil? Like, Kanter <laughs> is not our best player. The only reason we benched him because, one, Mitch is our future. Two, Cornette can actually shoot, you know what I mean, and block shots. Two things that Kanter can't do, you know what I mean? We had younger centers that were better options. And then once we got DeAndre, it was a wrap. Like, why even play Kanter at all? Like, get him the fuck out of here. And if Kanter was actually a good player, how come nobody wanted him? We were, we were trying to trade him forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Scott Perry can't make a deal. We've seen him since he came into the building that he's made deals. You know what I mean? Like, no, just because nobody wanted Kanter and his big-ass expiring contract and his fucking lack of clear modern NBA skills. You know, and I'm yo, and I can't wait to see if if and when they play Canner in the playoffs. Yo, that fucking <laughs> watching Dame Lillard and Canner trying to guard the pick and roll. You yo. might as well just like put some barbecue sauce all over the court because that shit is food, son. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm I'm glad we don't gotta talk about it, and I'm just like, 
there's any fan out there that's willing to come and defend Kenner on our show, please come so we can rip you apart intellectually. <laughs> but that's that's just me just getting amped up because I'm just glad he's out of here and don't got to see him no more. You know what I mean? Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. I am a little sick. Um, yeah, I'm sick of Kenner, so yeah, same boat. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, the trade deadline was last, you know, uh, a week or two ago, and so many mm-hmm. pieces were moved around. What do you think was the most effective trade? I mean, the East, the top four East teams, that's the, not in any order, but the Bucks, Raptors, uh, Celtics, and Sixers. I don't know if the Celtics made any moves off the top of my head, but I know. They didn't. Okay, yeah, so at least those that, the yeah. first three teams that I mentioned, they each got stronger and in various ways, so. The Bucks they they picked up Nikola Mirotic from the Pelicans, the Raptors picked up Marcus All from from the Grizzlies, and uh, the Sixers picked up Tobias Harris from the Clippers. Uh, who do you think made the best move at this point? Just it's just tough, just man. for this season, just for not not don't look into it into the future because I know there's some other parts that can play. Like if Tobias Harris doesn't resign with the team, then they gave up a lot of assets for him. But just just for the sake of winning the championship this season. Who do you think really pushed pushed themselves to that point? Oh, Golden State, just because they have Boogie Cousins. But no, I know what you mean. <laughs> just in terms of like who's coming out of the East, yeah. that arms race is crazy. Obviously, like that trade deadline was fucking wild, bro. Like, what was it? I think it was fifteen trades made that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or something along that number. It's like it was double digits, which is like it's been the most in like a while. Um, but yeah, as far as the arms race, we yeah Miritich to the Bucks, um, Gasol to the Raptors, and like. I I just can't yo, Philly's starting five is insane right now. I think outside of Golden State they got the best, like most balanced starting five in the league. And like in the playoffs when it comes down to who your top eight rotation is, they not only like got Tobias, but they also picked up Jonathan Simmons who who I liked on San Antonio. He's been kinda like in, in the abyss in Orlando, you know what I mean? Like no like but I think he has those skills as like a perimeter defender, as a as a scrappy dude off the bench. Uh, they picked up James Ennis from the Rockets, who's like a, a, a wing player that can shoot threes and kind of play defense. Yeah, and like they upgraded their bench while getting a like a, a, an All Star caliber player in their starting lineup. And I feel like, um, as far as who won the trade deadline of those big East, like the big East four, it was definitely Philly, just because like the talent there is just crazy right now. And I think as far as who's gonna come out of the East, I definitely feel like. That's a tough question because I don't want to sleep on Boston. You know, like, I feel like no matter what people say, they've got of those four teams, they might arguably have the best coach. For I sure, arguably yeah. just it's not like, even arguable. It's, they have the best. I coach. mean, I like I like Budenholzer though, bro. Like oh, he's, he's you're right. He's yeah. he's pops like like two fucking son basically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I want to say two point. So I, I mean, Brad like, Brad Stevens like, could also be that, but continue. I yeah, I, I wouldn't I sleep on Budenholzer either. Yeah, I just feel like would. I still might – fuck, this is tough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad it's only February and we don't actually have to make official playoff predictions yet for a podcast, which is like we're <laughs> legally obligated to do. Our listeners don't know this, but we had to sign a contract and say we got to make predictions. You know what I mean? So, yeah. just uh, Where is this contract? We'll, we'll it's somewhere in, my, somewhere in my Google Drive, right? Yeah, motherfucker, you better sign that shit. We don't want fucking Adam Silver showing up with his, with his goons and fucking Doberman hounds or whatever, but – yeah, bro, we um, got we got a meeting with him next week. <laughs> yo, man, Adam Silver, 
called me back, sent you mad texts, got ideas. But no, nah, I mean, as far as like the Big East, I think I'm going to go with <sighs> shit. Like, like you're asking me who I think will come out of the East, right? At this point, yeah. I think I might go Milwaukee. I just feel like Coach Bud had had playoff success in the East with Atlanta, always up until he ran into LeBron. But now LeBron's gone, and he has his own LeBron. You know what I mean? Like, and they're just—they're still top of the East, regardless of all these other moves that teams have been making. Milwaukee's still top of the East. They're—I think they're both top five. They're in the top five category, of both offensive, defensive efficiency. They've got an MVP candidate and just like a deep roster of shooters and complementary pieces that fit Giannis so well. You know what I mean? And I think Miritich. My biggest thing with Milwaukee was when you watch them play, like, it's crazy how many threes Brooke Lopez is, like, taking. You know what I mean? Yeah, what a revelation, but, man. Shit. Yeah, but it's also, like, I was thinking in the playoffs, like, how would he hold up defensively? You know what I mean? Like, imagine Brooke Lopez getting switched off, switched on to Kyrie in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now I feel like we're getting Miritich. Like, the talent, obviously, he's not, like, better than her, uh, Tobias. But I also feel like getting Miritich makes them more versatile in that they could play Giannis at the five in um in the playoffs and then just surround him with four shooters. You know what I mean? And like Miritich we saw when he was on the Pelicans, he could D up. Like he was a like he wasn't obviously A D and Drew, but he was like their third best defender in that series against Portland last year. You know what I mean? And now he's playing with Giannis. So I think I might still pick Milwaukee to come up, but like just yo, know, given all these moves, like same question, flip it on to you, who do you think is coming out the east? Uh, I, again, it's a very hard question. I feel like it could go either way, but I don't know much about the Raptors coach. What's his name again? Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, which frankly yeah. sounds made up. Yeah, right. Um, I, I believe in Kawhi Leonard, man. If, if Marcus Gasol can get back to his Grizzlies days, which he, he's gotten a lot better at, and he's, he's needed more so for the offense at this point. Um, Yo, he's such a good passer. Yeah. Like he instantly just became like the second best passer at this point. I mean? Yeah. So they they have their big three. They have the big three in Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, and Marcus All, who is an amazing big three. That's better than the Grizzlies team that made it to the Western Conference Finals like five six years ago with Marcus All leading the team. Uh, and but instead they have uh, they have Kawhi Leonard, but they also kind of have a big four because he can't sleep on Pascal Siakam. This dude is crazy. He scored 44 points the other day against the Wizards. Yo. And he's he's insane. Like he came out of nowhere. I had no idea who this guy was last year, but who like he's he's a monster right now. He's exhibit A of like player development being so fucking crucial. He was a late first round pick, bro, but Toronto yeah. invested in him, you know what I mean? And he just he's you know, there are nights where he looks like Draymond, you know what I mean? And there are nights where he just, like, he, he looks like a little baby KD in terms of, like, in, through the mid-range, his spin move in the post, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he's defensively, nice he's he's great. Offensively, he's great. He's, a, he's basically a two-way player. He's kind of like he's kind of like Kawhi as well. He's, he's like, 6'9". He's only been in the league for, I think, two years. So they kind of yeah. have their own big four going right now. But they have Kawhi Leonard, who I believe is better than Giannis. And Giannis... Has Chris Middleton, who isn't a superstar. He's barely a star. He's an all-star, but I wouldn't go so far as saying that he's a star. And Meritich is pretty good. Budenholzer is would be the primary reason why they would come out of the East at this point, as well as Giannis. What about but, Bledsoe, though? Uh, I mean, Milwaukee I mean Bledsoe. Bledsoe's not an all-star. He's all-star caliber. He's, he's, he's pretty good. Like, 
you look at his numbers though, he's having like his best season in a while. Right. I mean, like he's but Larry, motivated, like he's playing for a contract, you know. Larry is better than him. Kawhi is as good as Giannis, if not better. Marcus All is better than Miritich and Brook Lopez if he plays I mean, like he did, you know, two three seasons ago. But Pascal Siakam, I think, is the X factor at this point. You still put Kawhi above Giannis, especially after the season, like right now, right this moment. I think Giannis wanted to suppress him, bro. Like, just like that's just me being honest. I mean, like, what's your argument for Kawhi or Giannis? Right he has now? a three-point shot. He's clutch. I mean, so is Giannis. I mean, Giannis is clutch. Shot, Giannis doesn't have a three-point shot. Yeah, but he's like fucking slender man out there, a brolic slender man that like take two steps when you give him like that ounce of space because you don't shoot and he'll still finish over. You know what I mean? Like his, he's putting more points up in the restricted area on a high on a the highest percentage in Shaq, bro. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's it's Wally. He he's a fucking freak. He's he's the Greek freak. I'm not saying I'm too. I'm saying I'm not saying you, know you can mean? stop Giannis, but I think you can stop other people to make, you know, the the team overall not as effective when it comes to the Raptors. But again, I feel like this is a coin flip, but if I had to bet money today, if it's the current Raptors team versus the current uh Bucks team go head to head in a playoff series, I I put my money on the Raptors right now. I just feel like the the Milwaukee recipe is so <laughs> it's like it's Giannis and shooters, you know what I mean? And thing is like Middleton's an all-star. So, like, he's not, like, a typical number two option on a championship team. But neither was Jason Terry in 2011. You know what I mean? And I feel like Giannis is in that special stratosphere that Dirk was in that year. You know what I mean? They had a deep, like, team then with a superstar playing on another level. And his second option stepped up in the playoffs enough to where, like, it didn't even matter whether he was in, like, a second superstar. You know what I mean? He was good enough to, like, support Dirk. And I feel like Middleton... Do you remember he put up numbers in the in that series against Boston last year, bro? Yeah. Like in seven games without a coach, they had fucking what's his face, the dude that took over after they fired kid, fucking. Um, I don't even remember. I, fucking, I don't even know. It, it the white guy looked like an accountant. He had glasses. <laughs> That's. Uh, um, <laughs> it's like every other one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, shit. Let's just call him shitface McFucker. Whatever. Sure. But they took the Boston. Celtics to seven games last year without actual coaching and like a much worse roster in terms of like the depth. You know what I mean? Now it's just like you got Giannis, Middleton, Pletso. Uh, Brooke Lopez is out there looking like the third splash brother. Miritich they picked up. George Hill was a solid pickup as a backup point guard. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, you know what I mean? Like, I finally didn't fuck up his name. So much respect to Malcolm. My bad, bro, for all those episodes where I called you Brogdon. <laughs> the dawn of all Brogs, whatever that means. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, damn, like they, it's like a perfect mix of complimentary pieces. And I feel like their coaching is, they play tough defense. Like they make sure teams like don't like shoot threes well. And they also protect the paint really well. You know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't know. I think Giannis has surpassed Kawhi this season just based off the fact that, and that's without a jumper, but just off the fact that he's like a, a, a crazy scorer inside, a monster rebounder, and he's a better playmaker uh, and passer than uh, Kawhi. And I feel like, it, like, but then you know Kawhi always steps in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. it, it's obviously not gonna be like a five-game like series, but I might take Milwaukee over them. And like, that's not to like denigrate Toronto, obviously, but yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from. You know? Yeah, I, I just think they have like four solid defenders who can at different points get on Giannis, and that's like. 
that's obviously Kawhi. There's there's uh, Siakam and there's Gasol and there's also Serge Ibaka and then Danny Green at a point too. Like they have so many different pieces who can play both defensively and offensively. That at this point, yeah. I, I would I would give the nod to to um, the Raptors. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I want to kind of touch on the Raptors in terms of like. That Gasol pickup was so good just because, like, before they had him, I think Lowry was, like, their only, like, consistently great passer. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, say what you will about Kawhi. He's, his passing isn't there yet. You know what I mean? Maybe he'll develop it because he's a cyborg. You know what I mean? But just having, like, Gasol out there as a, as a shooter, as a spacer, and a passer, you know what I mean? In crunch time, a guy that his basketball IQ is fucking, like, Einstein level. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. He's just like his brother was. So I feel like having that guy in crunch time is big. And, you know, like, a lot of people are sleeping on the fact that Gasol will actually help them match up with Embiid. Because I saw, like, a stat going out the other day. Embiid's never been able to cook when he's being defended by Gasol. You know what I mean? Really? It's, like, underrated. Yeah. Like, Gasol is a great post defender. And you can't bully that big boy down there, man. Like, yeah. Embiid bullies dudes, but you can't bully Mark Gasol. I mean, who knows? Maybe he steps up in the playoffs, but like, yeah, that's that's gonna be. It's an interesting. I think like they got Gasol just because like they know they they needed to be versatile to match up with all these other East contenders, and having that big dude down there that can actually play defense as opposed to Valentunas, it's a it's a big upgrade. But my biggest thing is like if if Milwaukee and Toronto were to match up, like what is like you can't play Gasol. You know what I mean? If like they're playing Giannis at the five, you know what I mean? It's like how's he like like it's like a defensive liability. I feel like you know what I mean. But then, like, Toronto got so many other pieces that just, like, are so versatile. Like, OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. Um, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam. That's like, what I'm saying. And Marcus Gasol is a former defensive player of the year, so you can't sleep on his de- – I know I know it's downgraded or degraded, but you can't sleep on it. But also, people might be wondering why we're not giving much love to the Sixers right now. My personal take on it right now is I think they might – I think on paper – they might be better than the Bucks and the Raptors, possibly on paper, but I feel like team-wise, they might just have too many pieces from different places that just all got jumbled together this season that they might not have right. enough time to gel uh, come playoff time while the other teams only had to add mm-hmm. one player and they all had a yeah. set team going on uh, at this point. But I feel like they they might just be too young or too inexperienced as a, as a squad to really go out of the, come out of the East. I mean, they've been chilling so far, though, bro. Like, once they got Tobias, they've been, like, other than, like, losing to Boston, and I think that's that's their kryptonite. Boston is, like, Philly's kryptonite, you know what I mean? Um, and they lost to Boston when they didn't even have Kyrie. So, and this was recently. But, like, I'm high on Philly just in terms of, like, they they all fit so well, you know what I mean? I feel like the biggest thing with Simmons, Butler, and Embiid when it was just them three, spacing was an issue even when they had Redick on the court but now they got another like 40% three-point shooter that could space the court and their lineup is so fucking big like Redick is like 6'5 right 6'4 and he's the smallest one on the court you know what I mean they got a 6'8 Tobias 7 footer Embiid 6'8 Jimmy 6'11 Ben Simmons like in the playoffs when it's all about mismatches they could hunt mismatches and make sure if you get an undersized player we're gonna cook you know what I mean because Jimmy, Tobias, Simmons, MB, they can all post up. You know what I mean? And then, like, you take your eye off Reddick for a second, he'll get that open jumper. I feel like they fit so well and they've been playing so well lately. And that's the thing about Tobias. He's not, like, a ball-dominant guy per se. Like, and the Clippers, he was obviously having the ball more than he ever had in his career. But he could shoot. He could, like, be that secondary uh, creator when, like, the defense breaks down, like Simmons or Butler passes out to him. He could attack the rim. 
play some pick and roll. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like he's such a good piece that, like, I don't want to say that, like, this goes back to what I was saying. I think that it's tough because I definitely feel high on them in terms of their upside, but there are certain weakness, weaknesses. Like, I saw, I've seen a lot of reporters say that I'm going to agree with because, like, I definitely think it's a good point, but if they could have gotten Patrick Beverly in that trade with Harris, I would feel a lot better about Philly just because, like, I don't think they have, like, that one, like, perimeter stopper to handle, like, point guards like Kyrie, you know what I mean? Or Lowry on Toronto, you know? I feel like, or Bledsoe on Milwaukee, you know? Like, I think that's the biggest thing, and I think that's partially why Boston always, like, seems to have their number, because Boston's so smart about, like, exposing their uh, the Phillies' defense, like, their weaker perimeter defenders, you know, like Tobias and JJ, you know? It's one thing to cover for one weak perimeter defender, it's another thing to cover for two but, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. It's tough. Well, I think you and I, should, we should cover Kevin Durant Anthony Davis on next week's episode. Um, who? Who? Who are they? <laughs> uh, two of the top five <laughs> players in the world who might or might not be in New York Knicks uniform next season. But either way, um, that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode of the Nickish Podcast. Uh, anything else you want to add? Final thoughts, takes. You gonna watch where you uh, gonna watch the All Star game tomorrow? You gonna see none I mean, of the next players there? <laughs> Yo, uh, LeBron, I'll LeBron's whole Le, LeBron's whole draft was fucking <laughs> wild as shit. It's tampering. all tampering. It to, tampering. <laughs> it's like tampering live on television. Beautiful, but so funny. Um, I guess final things to say is this, uh, I did find it interesting that, uh, 35 Ventures, uh, KD's, uh, little yeah. agency or, uh, thing. Yeah, New York office. New York office. Yeah. yeah. I mean, similar to, uh, one or two LeBron businesses opening up LA offices last year before he had joined Cleveland. Yep. Uh, before he had joined LA after leaving, you know, after still being on Cleveland, which interesting. Just leave interesting. it at that. We're not saying anything. We're just pointing out a fact. His office. Also is, interesting that Rich Kleinman yeah. um, had uh, sent over some uh, some nice headphones to our young Alonzo Trier uh, that are that he had also gotten KD. Yeah. And, uh, Trier being uh, somebody that uh, admittedly said he's close to KD because he played high school in o- Oklahoma and got to know him. So yeah. Also interesting. Also interesting. Rich Kleinman has sent us a package to let him. Let, let let the audience know that he is great and KD is would be welcome in New York. Wait, did I ask no. this package? No. Oh. I mean I would I would love those headphones. They look like they're Knicks colors, but I mean why why would K D have Knicks colored headphones? Hmm. I don't know. Either way, Rich Kleiman, you are more than welcome to sponsor us. Uh That's shout out to you, shout out to to Lonzo Trier and Katie and all your other uh, agents. No doubt, no doubt. But uh, yeah, next week we'll, we'll talk about that guy. Yeah, Devin Current. We'll, we'll touch on him next week. Some interesting happenings and uh, other reporters saying some uh, very interesting stuff. I mean, this dude Brian Windhorse. Like, not to like belabor this end too much, but I re- uh, listened to a podcast the other day where he was just like. Um, when a reporter said, like, oh, they feel like they got something lined up, Windhorse is like, yeah, but, you know, things don't always work out. Like, he was just like, yeah, you know, things can be lined up, but, like, you know, 
plans can change, you know? Like, and then he started trying to talk about how, like, you know, why would why would somebody go to New York and not, like, Brooklyn? And, like, to me, it, it reeked of desperation. But I might be reading too much into it. Like, seems like he's kind of salty that Prosperity might be coming to MSG. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I hope so. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to be too over-optimistic. When was the last time the Knicks plans actually, you know, were fulfilled? Um, let's hope it works out. But either way, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We have we have the yeah. next stop again is May uh, for the draft lottery, and that's gonna be a big indicator of what's to come for next season. Mm-hmm. I hope uh, if we get number one, I hope Z- Zion, you know, uh, picks out a nice place in New Orleans. So I could I could give him some nice seafood recommendations. I was there recently. So, <laughs> um, shit. Uh, what was I gonna say? But yeah, I mean, tune in next week for another. Nice episode. Hopefully we get it out on time. You know, but like real life gets in the way, right? Yep, yep. We should be dropping this episode next week. So if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's Nick underscore ish. Uh, to those of you who are listening, who've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Nickish Podcast. Tune in next week for episode number 15. And yeah, that's it. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace.